Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I got my co-host, per usual, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good. Ready to record another one. Got in another good training session with Georgie this morning, or this afternoon, actually. Not this morning. Trying to get ready for the HRC hunt test stuff. So, cleaned out the shed. So, I'm feeling good. Nice. Shed's looking all tidy. The what? The oh, cave. there you go. Yeah. I've, it's I've not actually it. looking tidy. My, it's annoying. My problem is is that I, I need a organizer to come in and, like, it's all it's all clean, but I don't have, like, the organizational skills to make it, like, look really nice. She's got too much crap. Yeah. Yeah. My, my issue is that I have too much stuff. So, mm. um, <laughs> so I, it's like, uh, it's just spewing out of my garage and I don't have the, uh, right amount of, of storage for the, the amount of duck hunting stuff I have. So, yeah, but I did, well, I did jump on the organization train too. And, um, I got, I got it looking at least decent. So, I think we both talked about this, but we're kind of wanting to go through our decoys. Um, my uh, <laughs> from my boat incident earlier this year, where they all f- hopped out of the boat, um, my decoy spread has diminished greatly. So, gonna have to go through all mine and and get that figured out. Yeah, my decoy spread is in a. I w- I won't I will not say the rigs that I used, but. Man, I've got a massive decoy of bag full of rig, Texas rigging that's just fallen off. I bet you I've got two and a half, two and a half dozen that have just fallen apart from the rigging, and so I gotta figure out a deal. I gotta buy a bunch of new stuff on that. Which I didn't think they had it, but GHG does have the Texas rigs. After I talked to you today about a different company, <laughs> I was like, "Oh no, GHG does have Texas." For some reason, I didn't think that they did. I didn't realize, but they do. And they're pretty cheap. They're only like 30 bucks a dozen or something. So, so I got to do a ton of new decoy rigging this off season. Nice. There you go. Well, not nice, right? Cause a decoy rigging can be uh, expensive. And like, that's like the least cool part about a decoy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it can be, it can be. <clears throat> that's one. We of used the- to make our own Texas rigs, but it's, that's a pain in the butt. Yep. That's the one thing about that's probably the one thing I'm trying to think of something that's probably the least exciting duck hunting thing that you can buy is decoy rigs. Yes. It's like buying tires for your truck. Yeah. It's like, no, I do not want to spend unless they're big mud tires, right? I got some pretty good, nice new tires. I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with them, but I wasn't happy with the $1,200 bill, but (laughs) nice. It feels the same. It's like you have to have it, but that's not where you want to spend your waterfowling money. Yeah. Yeah. But you can do them yourself pretty cheap. Yeah. They're usually not as good, though. 
No, they look like crap, and they don't look uniform. I want I want all mine to look the same. But my my duck shed, my big problem was all of my my kayak, um, layout blinds, my dog hood. So it's all this like camo raffia crap. I know that it's like where do you store that kind of stuff? You got to keep the mice out of it and stuff, and that's uh. So I put a sled on the ground, and then I put like all the dog um, stands in the sled, and then put all of my layout line raffia crap like piled on top of that, hoping that like the mice wouldn't get into it. And and, <laughs> and then you pull it out next year, and you have nest all over it. Do you guys have up there? They're called mud daubers, or not? Are they mud? Do- not mud daubers. They look like wasps, but they're black and they don't sting. Um. And they make these, their nests are somehow they bring in like dirt and mud and they make these hard oh, yeah. little like almost Tunnels. baseball size homes with little holes in them. Huh. And they, in the, in my shed, cause it's not concrete, it's not air conditioner or anything. I mean, if I'm, if I'm not careful, they'll make those things all over waders, anything you have hanging, you'll find those stupid big they're pretty remarkable things they build, but it you don't want them in your crap. And that's the big problem that I have is they get in there and they make those all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, we, I don't know if we have that or not, but I know we got the, like the paper wasp. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Which, you know, you know what that is. I mean, that's the, mm-hmm. the traditional kind of wasp you see in like all the movies or whatever. <laughs> right. right. Uh, but yeah, I had one of those uh, get built into like partially into the wall of my shed. So um, I had one guy come over that's a beekeeper. He's like, yeah, I'm not messing with those. <laughs> so I waited till the fall and just cut the whole wall off my shed and got rid of it. Yeah. Look up mud dauber wasp nest. Okay. It's really weird what they make. It's like it's it's really amazing, but I don't think that they sting. But it's really pretty remarkable. They're like I don't know even know quite know what they're made out of. D a u b e r. I don't know what they're made out of, but it looks like just like it almost looks like a cliff cliff swallowed ones. You guys have cliff swallows up there, like under bridges. They yeah. make the little mud homes and along cliffs and everything, and they'll just be in there by the hundreds, just flying all over the place and. And they make them here right up on the underside of bridges. And they just have big lines of them. It's like they make these mud nests. That's what these mud dauber nests look like. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I don't know if we've had them or not, or if we have them here or not. Um, I can't say off the top of my head if I've ever seen one. So, yeah. not Probably not fun to deal with. No. Big pain. You got into the fishing yet? I haven't, but I did buy another sailboat. <laughs> Two sailboats. Price of one. This one, actually, I, I shouldn't say I bought it. Uh, it was free. So I'm like. Is it free of leaks? That's the question. Um, well, it, I mean, all you got to do is put some more fiberglass over it, you know? I go. have fiberglass boats, and let me just say, once you start the fiberglass process of those old boats, it's pretty much a year-long <laughs> endeavor. Really? A yearly endeavor. Well, 
that's not always true. The one I had, I don't know if you remember my first, my second that was I called Old Green, and I and it was holy when I bought it. But I think that that one was a rare case because it was so old that like there was the fiberglass so was problems. like deteriorating or something. Well, it's like those you had the body of the layout boat, and then the top part of it was kind of enclosed a little bit, and that was kind of separating from the whole mainframe of the body. So all along that seam, it was cracking and leaking. So we, but we fiberglassed um, our Carson's puddlers multiple times, and had and did have quite a bit of success with those with the fiber fiberglassing kits. Um, we those were those worked really really well, and we didn't have to redo those. We fiberglassed all those three Carsons at times because we would drag them so much that eventually they would wear holes in them, mm-hmm. at least cracks a little bit. But yeah, that fiberglassing stuff works pretty good. Gotcha. Yeah, I have no idea if it's free of anything or whatever, but it was it's free and it was bigger than the one I got. And, uh, you know, it's just it's going to just make that much better uh, YouTube content. So you're going to lay out in those? Um, Yeah, probably. Make them in a full up in Michigan. Where where is your plant? In Michigan or yeah, you can do it. Michigan marshes or whatever. Just use it for transportation. You know, whatever you want to do. Um, just an, another little fun duck boat to have. Do you see those? Once you get those done, and you're gonna you're gonna put little motors on them, right? Yeah, probably. You know, probably like six and a half horse mud motor or something like that. So, is there a strategic advantage to these over your torpedo? like where you can use them or is it just you're having fun? Um, honestly, if, if I was a normal person, I wouldn't buy them. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that already had a duck torpedo. If you didn't have a duck mm. torpedo or something like that, then I can see the allure to having them. But, um, yeah, no, there's, a, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of strategic advantage, but like, for me, since I don't hunt solo that much, actually I've been doing it less and less. But if you're hunting solo, there is advantage to that over the duck torpedo. It's just going to hide that much better. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the duck torpedo already disappears in, but it's just so big. It's it's way. I mean, it's way bigger than a layout boat. So I mean, it's fourteen. How long is that duck torpedo? Fourteen. Fourteen foot eight inches. Mm-hmm. In the front, I mean, with the motor on the back, the front just kind of sticks up. So much that, like, if you have birds landing the decoys, like if they landed right in front of you, you're trying to lay out on that, you'd kind of be in trouble. But you can more mm-hmm. hunt out of that, more like a frame style, where you're just crouched in it. Yeah, and that's how we've done it. If we're gonna hunt out of it, but yeah, how long as, are these? How long are these sailboats? One, I mean, I haven't measured them, so I think one is probably twelve foot, but they're mm-hmm. way lower profile. Um. So you could lay out over it, you know, and they're lighter too, right? Yeah. The one is like, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's probably like a hundred pounds. And the second one I got, it's like, it's, it's big as I think it's as big as the duck torpedo, but obviously Mm -hmm. still shorter and it's much heavier. It's much heavier than the first one. So I don't know. Once I build them all out and, you know, Start cutting through. How heavy, is the, how heavy is the duck torpedo? It's too heavy to drag, right? Um, you, like to slide it on the ground, you can do it. Like I mean, but you're not going to be like if you're trying to do it like long distance, you're going to fail. But like if you needed to move it like a few feet, maybe you could do it on the ground. <laughs> well, because the thing I was thinking is the issue you run into with the bus is. 
backing in icy ramps that you just don't have the power. And that would be one advantage of having the light, something light where you don't have to back down to launch it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That'd be a, an advantage for sure. If the, especially the single one. Um, but yeah, you know, honestly, yeah, I don't know. Time will tell once I get them all the way done, chopped up, rebuilt, sanded, painted, blinds attached, all that kind of good stuff. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun though. What What is you, what are you doing to blind those? Do you have a plan for that yet? Um, I've had a little bit of plans on it, but like I've seen, uh, my, my first idea is, well, I've, I've seen a lot of ideas like homemade blinds and all that. I don't know. I just don't have set in stone what I want to do because I thought about, I mean, there's two options. You could be like, I want to make this the coolest thing ever and, you know, just start balling out and spending all kinds of money to make it awesome. Or you could do the opposite where you're just like, I'm going to show how cheap you can make a, a working layout blind. I got this boat for free. I bought this trailer for 200 bucks. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then like yeah. do the whole build where it's like, and you budget it all out and you're like, at the end of it, you're like, I spent $500 and you have everything you need, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. more than that, once you had your mud motor and all that, but even then you could, you know, sling deals on marketplace and try to get one cheap. Uh, or you could do the opposite where you just buy the nicest of everything. So I don't know mm-hmm. where I'm going to fall in it. Maybe I'll do one of each since I got two. Um, but yeah. It's it's I, I haven't decided yet. If there's a, <laughs> I'm just gonna play it as it goes, kind of deal. So you're at four boats now. Your big boat, the torpedo, no, the two sailboats, and how long? How many kayaks you got? Two uh, kayaks. Yeah, two kayaks. You got two the one nineteen, and you've got the big water. Yeah, sand H twelve. So you got five boats, and then I oh, got. Whoa, whoa, hold on, no, no. How many you have? Two night. I forgot you had an Ascend H twelve. Yep. So you've got two old towns. Yep. An Ascend H twelve. Yep. Two sailboats. Yep. The torpedo. Mm-hmm. And your big boat. You got seven boats. I got and I got two canoes. Oh, and I forgot about the new canoe you bought. <laughs> Dude, you've got nine boats. <laughs> Nine boats and one of me. <laughs> and are you going to sell any of those? Um, yeah, probably. Where, where do you keep them? Because I've I've seen your garage on video. Where Where do you keep these? Uh, I, I don't want somebody to come rob me. I have them like I have them all like. Uh, uh, I have Chief's kennel. Then I have the big boat, and then I have like uh, like dominoed onto his onto that boat, pretty much uh, into my side yard. Oh man, my wife would not be happy. She uh, would not. My wife would not be okay with that. Yeah, my wife's not either. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, I tried. Sell. I tried to move, them. man, this year, and uh, actually, I put an offer on a house at one point, and it would have mm. had like way better storage for all this stuff. Um, but we got beat out. I mean, that's how it always goes. So, mm-hmm. but <laughs> we're just at where we're at, you know, right now. Um. And like I said, I'd sell the top water and your old canoe. That's what that's, uh, that'd be my two starters. Well, the, the old, the, one of my canoes is actually, I just leave it permanently at the, um, snake swamp. So, uh, the old one. Yep. Yeah. 
So then I can just walk in and grab the canoe if I ever need okay. to. Okay. So top water. I'm top at the, water's for sale. I'm at the point where I can just do whatever, like just leave boats. You know, I got so many that I don't have to keep them all at home. I have thought about that. I had a, I'd never did it, but I had, well, you know, Pelican, you hunted that with me where we laid on the ice that time. Yep. Um, that place. When I first started hunting that, I was portaging, um, little layout, my layout boat cleared on into that thing. And I had an extra head old green. And so I was planning on bike locking that to a tree uh. on public ground. I was, I was not planning it. <laughs> I was thinking about it. I was thinking about the idea of bike locking it and, um, to a tree and hiding it. So, cause it's just such a pain getting boats down in there, but yep. that's probably not. Do you remember frowned upon on public land? Remember when we hunted in there and uh, I found that uh, marsh stool? It was like it looked like a brand spanking new marsh stool, and it's just been sitting in the marsh for who knows how long. And I which hunt? Which which hunt was that we were on that you found it? Was that with me and Aiden in the ice? Well, Aiden wasn't. Oh no, that uh, it was. Uh, no, it it must have been the time where we just went out there and laid on the ice. Okay, yeah, I don't remember you finding that. Yeah, you losing your dog collar. Well, I didn't. Yeah, I lost my dog collar, but I found that, and I was like, "Oh, sweet! I found a new marsh stool," and mm-hmm. set it up, went to sit on it, and like it'd been in there so long, it looked brand new, but like the yeah. the wood in it was rotten, so the the, the it just like exploded when I sat on it. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky it didn't do. Have you seen those uh, TikToks where they? <laughs> yeah, the stool. They put, they put out a bike. And for someone to steal, and they make it so they yeah, call it the pen the penetrator. Yeah, yeah, that would have been bad. It's probably pretty close. <laughs> but that round post it through that bike seat, and they sit on to steal it, and that round metal pole goes up their butt. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's no good. Yeah, that's no good. Out at that same place, a little bit farther in, place you've never hunted. There's an open pool back in there, and I found uh, a a marsh seat kind of a chair someone had come in and built and placed in the ground and i don't it, it was somehow attached and that thing when i found it i found it in around 2007 it looked like it was from 1950 i mean it was just like it had been there you could tell it had been there so long and i just loved seeing it because it just i thought man yeah 20 30 years 40 years ago someone was coming clear back in here before and this was before there was any boat ramps in the area. It was like a five mile boat ramp, just boat ride, just to get to this place. And I just loved the idea of that. So old, some guy walking down in there and uh, hunting it in the sixties or something. Oh yeah, that is super cool. Thinking about the the history and stories that the same mm-hmm. you know same land can tell. Yep. Well, it's yeah. probably a, a probably a good break to go ahead and get a quick word from our partners. So let's go ahead and jump on into that. And first off, I'd like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Uh, guys, Onyx is the perfect tool for the waterfowler to get more permission and also the safeguard for when you're on public land, knowing where you stand. You can know the difference between public and private right there in the palm, the palm of your hand. Um, not only that, but if you're looking for more permission on private land, and I use this a ton, you can click right on the property. Maybe they don't even live there. You get their tax address. They could be 30 minutes away. You drive to their house, knock on the door, and you know right away if you got that yes or no. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll mark down five, six, seven spots at a time and do it 
Uh, and that's my most successful way of getting, getting answers, uh, getting yeses. I should say I get, you get, you get a lot of no's too, but, um, that's been my go-to this year and it has done great things for my waterfowl hunting. So check them out guys on X on mobile or on the web. If you really enjoy what Jordan and I are doing here and you want to get a lot of extra cool content and support us, the place you can do that is patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting. Right now, Jordan and I are putting up extra content there that's not going on YouTube right now. So if you want to see our freshest stuff, that's where you can see it. And there's lots of other cool stuff going on there. And in addition to Patreon, once you sign up there for at least $3 a month, you get a membership to um, the Hunt Stats app and website, which is a journal log. There's leaderboards there. You can keep track of everything that you are doing in your waterfowl life, the weather, just so much cool stuff over there. So go and see the extra content we've got, patreon.com slash freelance duck hunting, and get signed up. Once you sign up there, you get signed up for the Hunt Giveaway, which will be coming up in August. We're going to be having one of you coming out and hunting with Jordan and I for a weekend or a time that we figure out. And so make sure that you do that. If you're just interested in the hunt stats, you could, that's on Android and um, iOS app. It's hunt stats or freelancehuntstats.com. Awesome. Also like to give a big thanks to Tetra Tetra hearing uh, guys. Elliot and I both have been using those for our hearing protection. Um, something we both wish we started sooner. Uh, but uh, you know, no time like the present to start it, uh, with Elliot has already, uh, you've already had some significant hearing loss. And, uh, mm-hmm. I know a lot of us younger hunters and, uh, don't want to go down that road. We know a lot of older folks that have, have issues hearing. Uh, if you know, if you have friends that are older waterfowl hunters, um, that hunting in particular, you shoot your gun a lot. So, um, there's a lot more than the deer hunter who might just shoot it once here or there. But even then, I mean, it's it's good to protect your hearing all the time. Um, not only that, but early onset dementia um, has been linked in studies for uh, hearing loss. So uh, another, another good reason not to do it. But the Tetra hearing is just perfect for the waterfowl hunter because um, it allows you to steer, still hear all of everything that's going around. Your buddy's talking, the sights and the sounds of the birds, the whistling wings, all that kind of stuff. And then bam, you shoot your gun and it turns it off, turns off the, the loud noise and protects your hearing. So check them out guys at Tetra hearing. Um, you won't regret it. I'll tell you guys about motion ducks, decoy spreader system. It is a new slant on the jerk rig. It functions better than a jerk rig. It's easier to pick up and put out. I hated the jerk rig, but I don't hate motion ducks decoy spreader. That's honest to God truth. I complained about the traditional jerk rig so much. It's just they were pains in the butt, and motion ducks has figured out how to make it easy. And the ducks actually move around the water like they're in a flock. It makes a massive difference. Go check it out. At least go look at the website and, and see the videos on it. I think you'll be amazed. And our product code for that is all caps duck gun 2020. That'll get you 10% off uh, motion ducks decoy spreader system. Awesome. Also would like to give a big thanks to bandit Avery and Greenhead gear. Um, guys, it's Turkey season for a lot of us has already started. And for a lot of us is coming up fast. I was actually out scouting tonight, driving around looking and looking at old fields and knocking on doors of people I've had permission to pass and, um, trying to make sure I still got it for this year. 
Uh, but they got some awesome turkey hunting supplies. We don't talk about that very often, but Bandit actually, uh, I would say they're uh, another main thing they do uh, aside from the waterfowl is the turkey thing. And they got a lot of turkey products there. Um, you know, a couple of things I purchased, I purchased a uh, turkey decoy from them. I got a full set of camo this year in the Obsession camo, which is like the green kind of turkey um, stuff. And I got it all. And then, bam, what came out? They had uh, their uh, ghillie suit jacket that came out. So I'm kind of disappointed that I bought my stuff before that came out because I would have waited and got that instead of what I did. So maybe maybe I'll still swing and get that. But check them out, guys. They got everything you need from from uh, for the turkey hunting gear, from the vest to the decoys, the camo, you name it, they got it. So check them out at banded.com. Speaking of turkey hunting, I have officially on the books. I'm going with Golden Boy to turkey hunt on the weekend of the 22nd. I've been feeling peer pressure from everyone about <laughs> not turkey hunting. So you should. I've got it on the books. I'm going to give it. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm going to go that weekend. We'll see what happens. I've been actually been out there at Pelican. There's always turkeys. I've been thinking about it and kind of wanting to do it. So there you go. You're going to go out have to get it done to that public land spot to do it. Um, I'll probably go to Aiden's farm oh, okay. um, out west. He's got a play. He's got lots of turkeys there. Um, if I don't, then I would go out to Pelican. And, and I know I, can, I only tried this one time. I'm t- if I went out there camping on a Friday, camping on a Saturday, I think you could get it done. Find the roof roost on Saturday, kill them on Sunday. Cause it's a big woods area and finding the roost is the big problem. And so I think I would love to go out. I tried it once and the storm came in and we ended up leaving because the guys are with Wanda Bale, but that would be really fun. I'd like to do that. You should do that. That'd be like something that wouldn't necessarily like the first year you might not figure it out, but I bet like after you did it a few years, you'd be like, Oh, this is where they like to be. This is where they like to go kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's one of your favorite places to be anyway. So, right. Right. Just we had it. There was, it, we went out there Friday night, Saturday morning, me and this guy and his kids, he wanted to get his kid a turkey. His kid's about 15. We went um, one direction, and my dad went the other in the dark. And the turkeys were where my dad was. And I know kind of where their traditional roost is. Um, and it, they were there. And my dad actually probably could have shot one that, that Saturday morning. We were just trying to get the kid kid a bird. And we went off the other way and didn't hear anything. So this huge storm was coming in. We, or let me, I went a little too far forward. We went back. We camped out. We kind of just hung out. And the plan was we were going to get them on the roost on that or off the roost, you know, that Sunday morning. But this huge storm was rolling in um, that Saturday night. And the guy and his kid, I gave them the option and they decided to leave. So we went out Saturday evening before the storm and we did the birds were around the roost. We just they came in right like three minutes before sunset they came in and i think they saw us but the plan was working great so i i need i need to get that done again because that it was a lot of fun nice all righty so here's a little update elliot so i posted in the fellowship for uh people to give us podcast topic ideas and guest ideas um we're going to be doing some of our planning phase for the podcast and get some of that Schedule out for, you know, the remainder of off season. So um, we already got a couple up here. Tanner says, uh, um, talk about novice blue collar approach to the sport of a lifetimer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, Colton 
says a kind of behind the scenes look at all the hard work and effort that goes into actually doing all you do YouTube and podcast act. So jump over there. Those are the first two that, that uh, commented on it. Jump over there guys. And, uh, let us know what topics you want to hear. It can be anything from public land hunting or big water hunting tips or whatever it is. You guys name it. Um, and we will go through some of those and and hit them up for podcasts. So and guests. We always get like stuff people like Ted Nugent. I don't think we'll ever get Ted Nugent on the podcast. Yeah. He'd be an awesome guest, but um, you know, feel free to put some in there. Uh just you know. Don't be ridiculous like Matt. He's already, he's already been on here 12 times. So, But you know who we might be able to get? You know who Luke Koshaver is? I don't know. He is a he was a first-round draft pick for the Royals, and he was on the Royals team when they won the World Series. He's a, He is actually in some banded media. They had him pretending to pitch in waders. Oh, wow. And uh, so he's connected to banded. He's a uh, – I don't know if he's still in the – he's probably too old to be in the major leagues now, but he's a huge waterfowl hunter. I bet we could get him. Nice. That would be fun. That'd be super cool. In fact, I'm going to reach out to Phil and see. Uh-huh, there you go. That. That'd be cool. And over at Patreon, we actually went through it. We did a, um, we have a whole 101 series of podcasts over there. And we did a whole series on, or a whole episode on our filming styles and filming and, and stuff like that, um, which ties into the, what that one guy was talking about. But We've got that content over there. I really, I really enjoy talking about that stuff. We're just not sure who's interested in it or not. You know, the filming and how we got started, and our filming styles and editing, and it's not something we talk about publicly very much because we just kind of figure we lose a lot of listeners if we do that. But <laughs> it's fun to talk about. Yeah. No, I think there's, you know, I think there's some relevance in it, and talking about kind of the the behind the scenes. It's probably not a full podcast topic, but you know, here we are. 30 minutes into our podcast, something I think we could tack on to the end for sure um, mm-hmm. to answer Colton's question here. But behind the scenes, um, well, I mean, you guys don't see me uh, <laughs> driving hours up into Michigan to buy, you know, to get this, collect the sell boats and <laughs> all that kind of stuff or, or knocking on doors. There's all the little things, you know. Uh, but I mean, it, at the end of the day, it is a, it's a labor of love, right? Cause mm-hmm. you have to have a passion for it, um, to make you crazy enough to spend this much time and effort on it because, um, it's not a get rich scheme or anything like that. Get rich quick scheme or nothing like that. It's just, uh, we love waterfowl hunting. So we're here, uh, making the content, you know, whether it's podcast or videos or whatever, I think people have a misperception of how much money um, YouTube waterfowlers make. We had a uh, a big commission meeting with the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks, which is fascinating. If you if you want to watch it, it's fascinating. It's it's long. It's on Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks website under the commission, and they video it. and And most of their talk was on waterfowl and and addressing the increase in non-residents to the state. But then one guy got up and he was whining and moaning about YouTubers filming on public land. And it was listening right now. I doubt it. (laughs) If he is, I've got a middle finger up because I've got history with this guy kind of anyway. But um, 
I'm sure he's nice enough. It's just on 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 media and on forums he can just portray himself kind of. He's kind of a jerk. That's how he portrays himself, or that's how my perception of him is. Anyway, anyway, he was he's you can you know at these commission meetings you can the public can speak, and so it's that part's really interesting. And he got up and he was talking about YouTubers on public land, and and he was like, yeah, we got three of them here in the state, and they drive, they all got big new houses and brand new trucks and i mean you could tell that his perception was that you know you make tons and tons and tons of money if you have a following on youtube and i was like no maybe if he's talking (laughs) about like flair the owner of ducks and flair youtube channel well he was he he said there are three of them in kansas and so I assume he's talking about Bobby, Josh, and myself, me being the smaller of the three. And yes, Bobby makes quite a bit of money, but he does most of that on private land. And he's Bobby's the one in the million as far as, I mean, he's making the most flair not included because he's more of an all-terrain guy. But Bobby's like waterfowl. And Bobby's making more money than anyone is. And he is making, I'm sure, quite a bit of money. But generally speaking, I mean, you know, you don't go out and make tons of money yeah. on YouTube. It's just if you're if lucrative. you're looking at like amount of time spent like compared to other careers or other ways to make money, um it's not even close on average. Right. You know, you, right. And you do have the outlier like you said like I would say Bobby's an outlier for, sure. for whatever reason as far as like making money. I'm sure he's making some good money with what he's doing. Um but uh you know, um but on average, yeah, it's not like a the amount of time you put in, like if you're doing hourly r- wages, people are just going to think you're crazy. Right. Right. I mean, to, to really make a lot of bank, you have to do a million, two million, three million views a month. <laughs> That's the range you want to be in is that one to 3 million a month. So go and look at these YouTube us and the YouTube waterfowlers and, and look and see if you think that they're doing one to 3 million a month. And if they're not, they're not making tons of money. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's but that's tough. not what it's about. It's not about making tons of money. You know, that's not why. It's not why I started, and it's not why you started. And any money that's made is cool. But I think that's you know. why Matt started, though. So, <laughs> and he's maybe. Yeah, no, I think it is. If I had to guess, so <laughs> he's chasing it. He, it be, I'll tell you what, filming waterfall hunts becomes addictive. It, it really does. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's. I think the. And the the more fun part of it is not filming it, but watching it. So, right. Yeah. Right. Definitely agree. Yeah. So kind of to, to circle back around to Colton's question there. So like behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, there is hours of editing, like every video you see, um, there's the night before charging batteries, making sure you have memory cards, making sure all your equipment works all the way through season. Um, trying not to lose any GoPros in the water all that kind of stuff. So yeah, there is, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes behind it for sure. But like, like I said before, it's, we do it because we love it, but it definitely adds, adds something to it, especially when you get like those, those times where you're doing like a lot of hunts in a row Mm -hmm. that just adds so much. It's almost double. Well, like a a hunt already is work, right? You know, but we all do it because we love it. Like getting decoys, it's physical, exertion i shouldn't call it work i don't want to call it work because like that makes uh i feel like people when they uh when you say the word work there's like a negative term 
but uh, effort. Yeah, effort. There's a lot of effort that goes into a hunt. You got to get the boat around. You got to. I mean, I'm running around like crazy the night before all that, you know, and that's what you're doing already for a waterfowl hunt. So especially if you're the guy running it, which um, that's how you and me both are, right? We we do mm-hmm. a lot of that. Um, it's a nice break if I get invited on a hunt where I'm not doing that. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, you got anything to add to that? Well, that's one thing that Matt Voshi and his friend, they were the winners of the Patreon hunt giveaway that's one of the things that their takeaways from hunting with me, where it's like the amount of stuff you do in a hunt, it's like you're calling, you're filming, you're working the dog, you're it's it's you know, it it adds a lot. And I don't mind it on the hunt. It's but the recharging things all the time and organizing of the camera equipment is by far my least favorite part of it It, Mm -hmm. because it doubles your preparation. Exactly. Half of my hunt preparations in the podcast room, making sure SD cards are emptied, making sure all my batteries are charged and you know, cause it doesn't, these, these things don't just charge over an hour. It takes a while. So I've got my EB 55. I've got my whole charging port and then I can't find cords, you know, so you have to, everything has to be organized properly. And that, I do not like that part of it at yeah. all. Yeah, same thing when when I'm taking like the duck bus on trips too. It's like you're doing that, you get your portable battery out, you're charging everything. It's like mm-hmm. you don't get just to sit down and rest in between or mm-hmm. like relax or you can't just jump to the next thing. I'm like, I got to do this now. I got to make sure all this is ready because once I sit down, I might not want to like get back up. <laughs> yeah. You're just dragging. Yeah. And I, you get to the hunt and everything's set up. And then I looked at my camera bag. It's like, oh my gosh, okay. Now I got to get out my GoPro and put it on a stake and put the stake out there. Make sure it's running. Make sure, the, <laughs> make sure, yeah. But yeah, that part's not okay. the that part's not the fun part, right? The fun right, part is right. getting to see the videos, getting to um, see comments from people. You know, most of the time that's the fun part, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's not too. Um, but yeah, and then having that video, that memory of the hunt that you can just watch, when, you know, forever. So that's definitely mm-hmm. a, that's an awesome part, which makes me glad that I do the work. So yes, yeah, because it's like because <laughs> uh, I don't do it like for home videos or anything like that. Um, but you know, it makes you think. I'm like, man, I wish I I could I could put that much effort into <laughs> doing some home videos or something. I've done a couple. I did the Christmas one recently. I don't know if you saw that where I did a night out with the family and I put that on Facebook and I did a spring break one. So I'm trying to do a few more family ones. Nice. Yeah, I need to too. Because it is important. Do your, uh, your kids uh, look at you weird if you're – are you doing it on your phone or are you actually bringing the big camera around? I did that. I did that one on my phone. Okay. The one okay, we're going to better. Galveston. We're, well, we're going to Galveston um, right at the end of May for a whole family vacation and that'll be like – all out all the cameras because I'm going to do a surf fishing video. And so that won't just be the phone. Where's Galveston? Is that Texas? It's uh, straight down Texas. It's the closest shot to the ocean. None of my kids have seen the ocean. And so, and I haven't seen the ocean for years. So we've got my parents, little camper. They're letting us borrow us. We're staying at RV park for like four days, which is walking distance from the ocean. So we're going to do a whole, I'm going to, we're going to do a whole surf fishing video. I'm ex- I'm really excited about that. I've been doing a little research on how to surf fish. Cause I'm a Kansas boy. I don't know. I know how to fish for crappie, but I certainly don't know how to surf fish. Yeah. I don't know. So I I'm feel like fishing in the ocean would be easy, but maybe not. I don't know. Well, I know when I was a kid, we went to Florida and Texas and my dad and I did some surf, surf fishing and I was like third grade and in my mind, we caught a lot. So if I'm in third grade and I thought we caught a lot, we must have. 
because you know how kids get bored fast. Uh I think you can put just some shrimp and throw them out there. I think you can catch fish. I I don't know how big they are, but I think we'll catch fish. I feel like just swimming in the ocean, there's so many fish you could see. It's like, how could you not catch fish? Yeah, but Galveston is a lot murkier water in the Gulf. It's not like real clear. Yeah, where I was at was Panama City. Yeah, and then once I, if I do a surf fishing video, I can write off all my expenses, all my taxes <laughs> for that trip. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, seriously, that'll be a, a huge write off. Nice. There you go. That's a great way to get it done. Yeah, that's why I did on my spring break trip last year. I did a little video and put it on Patreon. Wrote all that off. Nice. That's that's definitely the benefit of of uh filming the, the write-offs on stuff like that there you go there's your little behind the scenes yep <laughs> nice well is this as gonna get a place as any to go ahead and wrap her up yeah we can do that all righty well guys it's off season so hopefully we get into the projects here going for Elliot and I, and and uh, and we'll be back into the <laughs> the waterfall hunts before we know it. But until then, stay tuned, fellas. I'm Jordan from Duck and Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duckening, and we'll see you guys on the next one.